0: Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf pei zayin. I'm going to go for the new perak. I'm going to start right from the beginning of the new perak. And um, today, Shir's Nishas ben Siyomedzeev Avram um, Alevi, Yehuda Le'ib ben Ephraim, and Avram ben Yaakov. May their memory be a blessing, and may their neshamas have an aliyah. So, the new perak, um, just as a little bit of an introduction, we know you, you can only eat from a kobban pesach if you counted to that or registered to that Korban Pesach. Now, generally, uh, there's a bit of a discussion how do you register to a Korban Pesach, but simply, it seems one of the ways that the Rishonin bring is you make a Kenyan on the Korban Pesach as one of the re- people registered. You generally cannot register on someone else's behalf. I, I can't decide, oh, I've got a Korban Pesach. Let me register on your beha- behalf. Yeah, you have to Either uh, declare or indicate that you want me to register you on your behalf. Um, however, there are certain cases where you can assume that the person wants you to register on their behalf. And that's fine. Like your wife and your children. when You you can assume that they want to have uh, Pesach with you. Pesach Seder with you. So you can register on their behalf. Um, and the husband doesn't get need to get special permission to register his wife. Because that's what is assumed. And um, what our Mishnah is going to go into is what happens if a person gets registered on two common Pesachs. Is it valid? Or which one of the two is valid? So the Mishnah starts, If a woman, if she's in the house of her husband, they've done the sui and they are properly married, and he shechs. Her husband and her father, Shecht, each a Koban pesach. As the father says, Shecht says, Oh, last year my daughter was with me for pesach, let me offer a korban pesach on her behalf also. She'll be registered to mine. And obviously the husband does the same thing. Then she can eat of her husband's. If it's the first festival, Rashi explains that they used to have a minak that the woman would go to her father's house on the first, the first festival after they got married. So if that was Pesach and she goes to her father's house and both her father registered her on a koban Pesach and her husband registered on a Kaban Pesach, she can eat whichever one she wants. What happens if an orphan has two guardians and each of them offered a Koban Pesach on his behalf, he can eat from whichever one he wants. He can choose... An Eved who belongs to two partners is not allowed to eat from both of their korbanos. I'll come back to the, this discussion. Let's just finish the last one. If you have someone who is a half-slave, half-freed person, the standard case is you have two partners owning a slave and the one frees his shares and so now you have this person who is half a free person, from his, the part owned by his master freed freedom, and half a slave. He's not allowed to eat his master's korban because his master's not necessarily taken into account The part of him that is free. So he's in a little bit of trouble. Um as um and we'll go into that further, just in the second last one. And it touches on this one well. We said an evid owned by two people is not allowed to eat from either of them. Um now, interesting. So if they both each owner shechs for him, he can't eat from either one. And actually, this is even if one owner, but not the other owner shechs for him. He can't eat from his carbon. Because he doesn't get to choose. Um he doesn't get to choose against his master. So if he's one master, Shachter a common Pesach for him, obviously that registers the part of him, the slave that is owned by that master. But the other master, but it doesn't work for the part that the other master that that the other master hasn't registered for him because an evet can only be kind of registered through his master's permission. So really he would have to get the one master to give the other master um, that, those rights. And there's an interesting Avnei Nazar, he basically says because the Korban Pesach represents that Hashem is our master. And therefore you have to eat from the Korban Pesach that is coming from Hashem. Therefore, a slave or oh, the only person who can count up, and if generally we have a principle that Evet everything that a slave owns really or acquires really belongs to the owner. So if one person would give an Evet Koban Pesach, that's not coming from that person, it's coming from the owner. So it's only when the owner gives him rights in a koban pesach count of that the owner's relinquishing that power that, that he has over the Evet, and it's the Koban Pesach coming to him from Hashem. Um and therefore it only works when his master gives him that uh, when his master gives him that uh, power and it can't be done through another through another master through through other you know, other through someone else or through the other half of him that's owned by a different master um, the, the the continuation of that response of the Avnei nair is very interesting he's discussing what happens if someone lives in Eretz we know there's a mitzvah to settle the land of Eretz Yisrael. And he wants to assert that if someone lives in Eretz Yisrael, but is completely dependent on money coming from Chutz Laaretz, so he's very poor, he's not able to make a living, and people are sending out tzedakah or money from Chutz he says he doesn't think that that's... Uh, Fulfilling the mitzvah of settling Eretz Yisrael. And his reason is fascinating because he holds living in what you do by living in Eretz Yisrael, what Yishuv Eretz Yisrael is, is largely saying, I, I hand over my living to Hashem. When you live in Chutzla Oretz, it, it's through angels and through other means. But when you live in Eretz Yisrael, you're saying, I'm handing over my living to Hashem. If you're receiving money from Chutzla Oretz, well, then again, your living is not dependent on Hashem. It's through all these agents that come, obviously come from Hashem, but all these secondary agents from Kutzlaris to get the money to you. So that's a very interesting reason. I thought he wants to say that it's the uh, um, heritage living in Israel must come that you living there because then you can view your livelihood, etc., as coming from Hashem, as opposed to if it's coming from Chutzlar, then it's coming through all these agents of Hashem. Um, Which again is like what we said by the Korban Pesach. The Korban Pesach has to come from Hashem. Therefore the master of a slave is the only one who can kind of, I guess, pull himself out of the picture so that the Eved is eating Korban Pesach directly from Hashem. Um, Look, obviously there are others who do not believe that that is the prerequisite to be considered living in Eretz Israel is that you living off Hashem's hand and then they would hold that you still fulfill the mitzvah or other ways to look at it. Let's go into the Gemara. So, the Mishnah said that a woman on her first festival, if her father and her husband register her to a different of Pesach, she can choose which one she wants. Now that creates a halachic problem because when does she have to, when do the, regist- when, did the registrant- when did they have to be counted as part of the Karban Pesach by? By Shrita. Once the Karban has been Shechted, it's too late to join that Pesach. So what happens here? You have this woman whose father and husband the Karban Pesach for her, and she has not yet decided. Well, now she's registered to two Karban Pesach, which is invalid. So it, should be- it shouldn't be that she can choose which one. It should be as if she isn't registered to either one. So so what, what must we be relying on? And this is what the Gemara is going to suggest. The famous principle of Breira, retroactive clarification. Uh, when, she cho- when she tells you, you know, I'm eating at my father's home this Pesach, or she says, I'm eating at my husband's home this Pesach, that tells us, that, back, that clarifies for us, that at the time of Shchita, that was the korban that was shechted for her. So let's just say she says, I'm eating at my father's house, the one that her father shafted was the one and the one that her husband shafted on her behalf was not. But again, we are relying on Braira, which we generally don't rely on. So that's what the are going to say. Yes, We seem to learn from this Mishnah that we do rely on retroactive clarification. Again, she should have chosen which Korban she wants to be counted as part of before the Shrita and we allow it even though she's counting, choosing later on, must be because she's allowed to rely on Breira. Um so uh, so it seems that he's Braira He says, no, my Reutzer, what does it mean uh, she can choose which one she wants? Beshah at the time of Shchita. Uh, it's giving her, I mean, it seems to not be a halachic consideration anymore, but just before Shchita she can choose which, whether she wants to eat the Kaban Pesach with her father or she wants to eat the Kaban Pesach with her husband. Um, and that's, uh, that's what, but it's not coming to give a stamp of approval to the concept of Brera. Can okay, now the ask a contradiction on our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says again, a woman in her husband's household, her husband can share from her, for her. A woman who's on her first regal, sorry, in her, if she's in her husband's household, then even if her husband and her father share from her, her husband is the one that we assume is the correct one. Um, if she's, at the first festival, then we she can choose. We raised a contradiction. On the first festival, she must eat from her father's, unlike our mission, which said she can choose. From then onwards, she can... Sorry from then onwards, she can choose, which Al-Mishnah said then would definitely be from her husband. She says, like, So there's no difficulty. Here's where she's always keen to go to her parents' household. I This b'risa, she's taking every opportunity to go to her parents' household for meals, etc., for yomtev. So if that's the case, um, if that's the case, then she... Uh, Um, then she can choose... Then, if it's her first regal, we assume she's definitely going to her parents' house and her fa- and registered to her father's. And if it's the latter one, she can choose. Can, but I'll mention a bit, she doesn't go home that often. Uh, she seems very content with her father, with her husband and his family. And therefore, only in the first festival does she get that. Do we say she has that choice because we can assume that's what she wants. And... From then onwards she would have to be considered part of her husband. She wouldn't need the husband's permission to shech for her. Now This is not a clear proof of how Rashi learns. But it says I was then in his eyes. This is Shir Shirim, which is discussing Hashem and the Jews relationship like a husband and a wife. So he says I was in eyes like something complete. For a woman when she's found whole perfect in her Father-in-law's house for Rod for Leila, like of She runs home to tell her parents how uh, the, how they view her so wonderfully. So what's Rashi showing? That sometimes you have a woman who runs home, but interestingly, it seems to be totally different context because our mission is discussing a woman who runs home because she loves it at her parents' house, and this is she runs home to tell her how wonderful her in-laws view her. So, uh, different context, but it's again in the context of a woman running home. Um, that's how Rashi learned. Ksiv, um, once we mentioned that Apostle, we mentioned some other joshas. On that day, Hashem will say, She started calling me. Bnei will call me my husband as opposed to my master. Both Ishi and Bali mean husband. But Ishi means my husband with more connotations of... Uh, of intimacy and closeness, then Bali is more my husband, my master. So that's what, they will stop calling Hashem the master, but more the Ishi, the husband. This is like a, a woman after Nasuyin. when she's in her father-in-law's house, I, um, as opposed to a Kala after a Rus in the first part of marriage where she still stays at her father home. She still kind of refers to her, not her, her and her husband are not as close. We have a younger sister who does not have uh, breasts. Uh, The emphasis on that posthum is she can't yet nurture someone else. This is... Elaim, I'll explain who that is shortly, who merited to learn Torah, but didn't merit to teach Torah. So Rashi explains, Elaim is referring to Daniel, who lived in and a place called Elaim. And Daniel, granted he was a huge time with Chacham and a Novian and very successful, he didn't manage to spread Torah there. It says, unlike Ezra in Bavel, who was the teacher, Ezra was, uh, in many, in, in certain aspects, we say, Ezra was Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's like uh, Moshe so Ezra was very successful in Babel in teaching Torah. Um, so that's uh, um, Daniel wasn't able to nurture other people into Torah. I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. So the wall is like the Torah because the Torah protects people who learn it. And breasts, like towers, those are the Tamidei Chachomim. I get you, a few different shatim, but what, you could either say because Tamidei Chachomim nurture each other when they sit in yeshiva and learn from each other, that's how they grow and develop. And also Tamidei Chachomim nurture the society around them. They bring life, they bring Torah, etc., which brings life to the society around them. Um, very interesting, the Vilna Gon says that um, Talmidei Chachamim are like watchtowers. One of the advantages of a watchtower is you can see so much more. You can see the bigger picture, and and you can react with great weapons or whatever. But you can and and that's the Talmidei Chachamim have often have a broader perspective. Don't know, I'm sure you if you've come across the experience of discussing uh, an issue you have, also, or or you see how a great a great Talmud Chacham, obviously not your regular, but a great Talmud Chacham. Um, views a problem or views an issue in society they look at it with such a broad perspective that it, you almost feel like you're speaking to a prophet and they can pinpoint the exact right approach to guard you um, so that's what this uh, they like a watchtower they can see so much further than, than anyone else they can see the bigger picture Rava says no the wall when it says she's like a wall that's referring to B'nai Israel. And the breasts are like towers. That is the shuls and yeshivas which nurture Ben Israel. Okay, new point. zutra Might you see what does the pasuk mean when it says, "Our sons are like young saplings growing in their youth, and our daughters are like the corners of hewn stone or full hewn stone." With the Tavnis, the image of the heichel. So he says, mm-hmm. "Our sons are like saplings." "This refers to the young Jews who have not sinned, but the young males who have not sinned." And the daughters who are like corners—that refers to the young girls. Sorry, the corner. Yeah, our daughters are like corners by the base. I is that like young girls who keep their openings for their husbands are either even though they obviously have desires when they're younger they wait uh, for intimacy with their husbands or they even when they're with their husbands and they need us they don't go with their husbands it says how does Zovios imply this that they have this desire and that they want to that they still resist it or how does Zovios imply this stay full of this desire or but the, the way of learning that they need us and they still not with their husbands. But it says, aimer." Um, as the Pasuk says, They will full like a bowl for the Mizbeach. I Kizovia, has the connotations of full. So even though they're full of desire, they still wait for their husbands. Um, our corners of the storehouses are full. And sustain from harvest to harvest. So again, we see the zavios has this connotations of full. Um, the last part of the pasuk said that they are hewn out in the image of the in the form of the Hegel. It says if young sons and if young Jewish boys and girls keep this uh, piety. They Don't get involved in sin and they wait for the husbands, etc. Then we view it as if it's viewed as if they built the base amidash in their time. Can you point that? Diber Hashem, yeah, we're very interested. We're now going to go through and analyze the beginning of Sefer Hoshea. So, Sefer Hoshea is very interesting. Is Hashem Hoyo El Hoshea. The word of Hashem was to Hoshea, and then it says, In the days of these four kings of Yehuda. Remember, that by that stage, I mean, there's um, quite a long after, by that stage, the kingdom had split into two the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Yehuda. So he's saying, um, Hoshea lived through these four kings. In one uh, time period, there were these four Nevi'im, and the greatest was Hoshea. Shanemar as it says, "Tachilas Diver Hashem b'oshaya. The first Hashem spoke to was Hoshea. It says, Hosea, davar, diber kamen, navim. What do you mean Hashem spoke to Hoshea first? From the time of Moshe until hoshea there were many, many Nevi'im. hoshea wasn't the first one Hashem spoke to. So, I'm going to be I know, in this novel by what it means is he was the first one Hashem spoke to of the Neviim at that time. It says, these are the Neviim: Hoshea Yishayahu four great prophets. Now Om Hoshea. Hashem said to Hoshea, This is an introductory discussion to the first Posak, to the beginning of Sefer Hoshea, as we'll see. So I mean this again, okay, this is not in Tanakh, but chazal knew it from tradition and knew it from where Tanakh starts starts off. He says so Hashem said to Hosea, Chatu, my sons have sinned. Now he should have responded sorry, sorry. Hashem said to Hosea, your sons, Hashaya have sinned. So what should Hosea have responded? Bonechim Avram Bonai. Yaakov Gilgal Rachamech Aleim says, What do you mean, your sons Hashem? Why are you saying they're my sons? They're your sons, the sons of um, your favorites, ha, um, your favorites, or the ones who found who had your favor. They're the sons of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Show mercy. So again, when Hashem came and told Hosea that your sons had sinned, Hosea should have responded correctly. saying, Hashem, they're your sons. They're the sons of Avram, Yusak and Yaakov, your favorites. Show their mercy. He says, So what, it wasn't good enough that he didn't give a good answer, but what did he say before? The whole world is yours. Why don't you switch beneath Israel for another nation? That was Hashem's response to Hashem. He didn't say, Show mercy. He said, Okay, so the nation of sinned, get a new nation. So, what will I do to the Zokan? Um, sorry. Um, so Hashem said what should I do to this elder um, it seems he's also giving a little bit of a justification for Hoshea that he calls him an elder because in Sanhedrin it says an elderly person can't judge capital cases because sometimes elder people who aren't busy raising children and are too busy lose some of their sense of mercy so Hashem says okay he's not so merciful because he's elderly but what should I do to him how am I going to show him that that's not the correct response and we'll see he's kind of punished and we'll see from the he had to go through a very unpleasant experience as we'll read now but oshea was punished for for dismissing b'nei israel and not pleading on their behalf it says "On my lord he said to him go marry a zona a prostitute and you will have sons who are zununim. You can't tell whether they're from the zono or from you. And then you know what I'm going to tell him. Send her away. If he's easily able to send her away. Then I will send away B'nai Yisrael. the says. This is the bride at the beginning of Go take for yourself a wife who's a prostitute, who's not faithful, and you'll have children who are unfaithful. <coughs> 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 um, so, thank you. Um, yeah, so, so that's what Hashem told Hoshea to go do. It's <coughs> written, he took for himself Goymer Basdveilim. What was what did her name mean? Goymer Omarad called Goymerimba. Goymer was everyone finished with her. she fulfilled everyone's desires. Basdveilim. What does Basdveilim mean? Dibaro Bastibaro. She had a very bad reputation. Uh, she's a famous uh, zoner. Where Shmuel or Shmuel says no, she matukah b'viakol kedvela. The means because she was sweet to everyone like uh, figs. Where uh, Rabbi Yochanan and Amos she doshin bokad kedvela. Rabbi Yochanan says no because everyone's dashed with her like a devela. Dash generally means uh, trampled, but it also is a euphemism for intercourse. So Dovar Acher, Goimer, another explanation of what the word Goimer alludes to, the name Goimer. So Omar in that time Hashem wanted to take away the money of Bnei Yisrael, how they were sinning. So Hashem wanted to punish them by removing their money. No, actually they were plundered and their money was taken. is the post says, the melech of Aram destroyed them and left them desolate like Sand to be trampled on. Oh, there was nothing left in Benyish. The story continues with Hashem that she gave him a son. Hashem said to Hashem, Koroshmo Yisrael. Call his call your son. You must name him Yisrael." And it has two connotations, as we'll see. Um, the one that the Gemara is about to be mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah, that Yehu who was the king, Yehu was the, um, was the great-grandfather of the current king, and he destroyed Ahav. But basically, he, he also, beca- and he destroyed Ahav, deserved to be destroyed, and his family wiped out because of how evil he was. And Hoshea was spo- Yehu was supposed to take over in the, the kingship, but he also became very evil. So he almost destroyed Achav for nothing. So he's held accountable. So the family of Yehu is going to be wiped out. That's Yisrael. Yisrael is an allusion to where Yehu wiped out Achav. And the second shot is that this is Rashi brings here. Is that it alludes to that Hashem will sow Bnei Yisrael, Yisrael. in exile. He will sow Bnei in exile. So we're going to see that. But again, so Hashem said, call your son Yisrael. Because shortly I'm going to take vengeance for the blood of Yisrael, i.e. the family of Ahav, on the house of Yehu, because he killed them. And I will end the kingship of Beis Yisrael. And it was in the time of, just to get the context right, so this is in the time of Yeruvon Ben Ye, um, Yehoyash ben Yehu. So this is the grandson of Yehu. And this pro- pro- uh, prophecy came true with Yo- um, with Yeruvam that's whose time this prophecy took place. The king Yeruvam um, Yeruvam ben Yoash, um his son Zechariah was king for just, six, for just six months and then he was uh, killed. And those were the last kings chosen by Hashem. Kings of Israel chosen by Hashem. So that's uh, um. So I'm saying, yeah. So that's the end of the kingship of of base Israel. There were a few more kings, but not specifically chosen by Hashem. bas, and then so, so that's the first the first time he had Israel, which symbolizes Hashem's going to this coming the end of the house of of Yehu, I through Zechariah, and the death and for killing Acha. And Hashem is going to sow them, Israel, um, in exile. And he gave, then she had another daughter and Hashem said, Call her where there is, there is no mercy. I will not show further mercy to B'nai Yisrael. And I will not forgive them. Or that I should forgive them. So Hashem says, I'm not going to show mercy. And Then she gave birth to a son. Call him. they are not my people. They will not be my people, and I will not be for you. I not literally I mean, remember, this is what Hosea suggested to Hashem, and that's why Hoshea had to go through this traumatic experience of marrying the Zana, etc. But um But not that they will not be like my people. It's that Hashem will, uh, the Mahershal amongst others, that Hashem will not be as much with us and not show us as much much mercy and we will struggle to find His favor almost as if He's not our God anymore. But Chas for Shalom to say that Hashem actually said He's going to switch B'nai Israel for another nation. After He had these two sons and one daughter, you should, should you not learn from Moshe Rabbeinu? Just as when I started speaking frequently with him, he um, he had to separate from his wife. Well, I want you to separate from your wife. So, he says, Hashem, how can you make me just separate my wife? I'm, I have children from her. He says, I don't have the heart to drive her out and divorce her. Well, if your son, your wife is a zona, and your sons, you're not even 100% sure, and you're not even sure that they're actually your children, and still, still you uh, can't drive them out, you don't have the heart to kick them out. It says Yisrael, bin B'nai 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 Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov Echod Me bo'ilomi It says, B'nai Israel, Who are the sons of my tested ones I are the ones who proved their trust in Hashem consistently Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov One of the four acquisitions One of my four prized possessions in this world And we, you want me to drive it? You want me to get rid of them I, What's Hashem's parable? What's Hashem's lesson to Hosea? Again, is that you see, even when you're not sure of the roots of your children, you still treat them as your children and your wife as your wife and you don't have the heart to just get rid of them. How can you come and tell me to just go and get rid of B'nai Israel who are actually the descendants of my favorites and my precious, uh, precious possessions, Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. The Gemara is now just going to show the four possessions that Hashem has in this world. So it's Torah, Kinyan, hold One of Hashem's position, possessions is the Torah. I think by possession, obviously we say Hashem, the whole world belongs to Hashem. So that's why I think Kinyan here means prized possessions. So it says... Um, where do we see that the Torah is one of His prized possessions? The Exhibah is written, Hashem is darcho, Hashem acquired me, the Torah, the Torah speaking and saying, Hashem acquired me, the first of His way. Shomai the heavens and the earth are another kinyan of His. Dixiv as it's written, Koineh Shomaiv he acquired the heavens and the earth. Beis Kinyan Echod, the Beis Hamidash is another acquisition. Dixiv as it's written, Harze Konisi Yomino, this mountain I acquired. Yisrael Kinyan Echod, Dixiv Amzu Konisi, I acquired this nation. So those are the four Kinyanim. Torah, heavens and earth, Beis Hamidash and Bnei Yishroel. Vato, Marto, Hevirom Bouma Acheres, and you, Hashem. Now we're going back to our story. You, Hashem, are telling me to just switch B'nai Israel with another, with another nation. As soon as he realized his sin, I, that he told Hashem, he didn't daven on behalf of B'nai Israel. He just told Hashem to get rid of Ben Israel. So he knew he had sin. He told Ahmad, um, he... Wanted to do Daven for himself. So Amalakoshbahu Acha tom of Shrachbi Malatmaho before you Daven for yourself, bk Bika Jrachmi Malisrael zarti Alehem, Sholosh Xeros Bavureho, you should um Daven for mercy for Bene Israel because of because of the three decrees are decreed against them because of you. Um and now we're going to... I mean, the three decrees, as we said, connected to his three children. Remember, Lo um, Ami, it will almost be as if I'm not their God. It will be hard for them to turn to me. Lo Ruchamo, I'm going to stop showing mercy. And what was this? Yesrael, I'm going to scatter them in exile and destroy the kingship. It says, so, He davened and he cancelled this bad decree. And he started to bless them. As it says, the number of B'nei Yisrael will be like the sand of the seashore. Um, this is just paraphrasing from the Psych in there. Um, in place of where I said, You will not be my people, I will say you the they will say about you that you, the sons of the living God. I will gather the sons of Yehuda and the sons of Yisrael together and then the, to counter the last uh, decree I will sow you in the land I will show mercy to those who did not have mercy for and to those who were like they were not my people I will tell them that they are my people Aye, so Hoshea learned his lessons he davened for Ben and he blessed them and did Hashem's harsh decrees it's yes, not all of them we have seen, the undoing of his harsh decrees, but some of them have been. Yeah, now uh, this, yeah, I'm not going to go into why these pieces are tied together, but now we go into a, basically a new point. Amir, Reb, Yilshnan, Oilola, Es Baleo, Woe to nobility, or the, the authority, because it varies those who hold it those positions of power shall only come with navi because we do not find these navim who did not outlast four kings shenemar is the ts khazon yishayahu ben amoz asher khazo al יהודה וישאלים etc this is the vision of yishayahu ben amoz who prophesized by about יהודה and Yerushalayim, and the continuation of the pulse is be may uzio yosam Acha Malcha Yehuda, these four kings of Yisrael And further, Ben Yosh, Yisrael Himonis Yehuda. Why did Yeroban Ben Yosh get to be counted with, get the merit to be counted amongst the kings of Yehuda? Remember there's a special dimension that the kings of Yehuda that the kings of Yisrael never had, and that is they were the Davidic dynasty. They were anointed specifically with a special anointing oil going down father to son um, from David Amelech. Um, so why did Yerovam, the king of Israel at the time, merit to be counted with them? So Amos because he did not accept loshen Hora about the prophet Amos. where do we see he was counted amongst the kings of Yehuda? As it's written, it mentions the kings of Yehuda and Yeruvam. So we see that he's listed with them. So why did he get that merit? Because he didn't believe Losh and Hora. He says, <laughs> Where do we see that he did not receive, accept Losh and Hora? <laughs> As it's written, Amatzia, a priest of Baisel, a idolatrous priest, sent El Yeruvam to Yeruvam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos, the prophet, is plotting against you. And then it's written, because, and what did Amos say? That Yerovam will die by the sword. Ay, he says, Amos, the prophet, is plotting a rebellion ag- against you. So Amar Shalom said for Shalom that Amos actually said that. There 's no chance that he would be speaking like that. It says the Imam, and not only that, even if Amos did say this what can i do he 's a prophet it 's what Hashem told him to say. so we see that uh, there was this aspect of piety of Yeruvim that he didn 't accept Lashon and horror about Amos, and therefore he uh, um, and therefore he merited this of being numbered with the kings of Yehuda. Um, now, interestingly enough, just on this case, um, it wasn't lo- that's not what Amos said, because Amos prophesied about Yerovam's son, Zechariah, who would be killed, which is what happened in the end, but he wasn't pro- prophesying about Yerovam, so it wasn't true. But in actual fact, if it was true, this is just a little bit uh, a mind-bender, in truth, if it was true, this and horror that um, Amatsia spoke about Amos, then... You sh- then the king should have, would have probably had to believe it to a degree because we know if someone tells you something that concerns you then you're allowed to take precautions. You know the famous thing with Gedalia ben Achikom. He's, uh, they came and told him, you know, I think it was, who was it? They came and told him, Yishmael is going to assassinate you. And he says, I don't believe Losh Hashanah. And he was killed. And he's held accountable for the destruction of the state of, the last uh, state of uh of the, the, as Jewish leadership in the state of Israel uh, by the, the destruction of the second temple. So, so when the and Hora, when it does affect you, then you do have to believe it, take it into account and take precautions. It's what's called Lito Eles. If the and Hora is said not to, or to not to slander the other person, but to help you, then you're allowed to. That's the famous thing. If someone's going into business with a thief or someone like that, you can, you're allowed to warn them. Um, so that's little So if this was true that Amos was plotting or prophesying about that they must kill Yeruvim, then Yeruvim would have been allowed to take precautions. But it wasn't true, and he didn't believe it. And he said also, even if it is true, well, it's what Hashem says. It's a prophet, it's not a conspiracy against me. Okay, Omri Now we're going to move on to highlight um, some of the points we learned from Hosea's. Uh, vision. Interesting enough, some say it happened literally that Hashem commanded Osher to go marry Azona. I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Some say this happened literally, Hashem told Osher that he must go marry Azona, etc. And some say it was all the vision, that uh, the vision part of his prophecy that he, I guess, in his mind, he went through that experience without literally going through that experience. Um, but. But one of the things we see from the Omer even at the time of Hashem's anger when he's furious with B'nai Yisrael. Um We see his mercy. So as the Pesach says, I will not show further mercy to B'nai Yisrael. He says it's from the rest of the Pesach. He says, That I should forgive them. We see Hashem's furious with B'nai Yisrael. And he doesn't act with anger. What does he do? He says, I'm just going to withhold some of my mercy. A much less Scary. I mean, it's not a pleasant, and it is scary, but it's much less scary than Hashem actually acting in anger. All Hashem says is, "I'm furious with you. I'm going to withdraw some of my mercy," so that we see how merciful Hashem is. One again, the positives that come out of the Geula. Yes, this is the the eternal optimist, or um. And also lessons that we can learn and try to understand the process that we're going through. But he says, B'nai Yisrael why were B'nai exiled amongst all the different nations? So that they could collect Gairim, collect converts. Shinemar, is the Possig says, baaretz, I will sow you in the land. It says, zorim seya ele kamakurim. Why? When you sow seeds, you sow a. Uh, Basically, he says a uh, sayer and he gather in kurim many, many bags of, of wheat. So to Hashem sowed um, sow a few Jews amongst the nations and he'll gather in many, many as the converts join them. Rabbi Yochanan says from here, I will show mercy to those who never had mercy. I, I will show mercy to... Um, oh, and, yeah, and the Apostle also considers, mm-hmm. I that those who didn't have mercy and those who weren't my people, I, all the converts, they will be called my people as well. Um, so that's a positive of the Goules that we hear when the non Jews see the Jews and they want to convert. It's interesting, I'm trying to think of Midrash or something that they say also. Who are these converts? Why did Hashem want to collect them? And what's the advantages. Why are they all people waiting to convert? They just need to see the Jews amongst all the nations. And that is because we know at the time of Matan Torah Hashem went to all of the nations and he offered them the Torah. And each one, all the different nations refused. But that was the nations as a whole. There were a few individuals who wanted to accept the Torah and for whatever reason, obviously, I guess they couldn't go against their nation and etc. So later on, that's why the Jews are scattered amongst them. And they can come convert and join the Jewish people and receive, mat and, and receive the Torah. Um, Omer Rebbe Yochanan, Mishum Rebbe Shimon ben Yochai, Rebbe said in the name of Rebbe Shimon ben Yochai. my you, see, what is the positive meme? It says, Do not slander a slave to his master in case he curses you and you will be found guilty. and then it continues Doroviv a generation that will curse its father and its mother will not and will not bless its mother. So now, what's the connection? What? What's slandering a slave that you'll be found guilty, he'll, he'll curse and you'll be found guilty, got to do with cursing your father and mother? Because you shouldn't curse your because someone will curse their father and won't bless their mother, the posuk says, don't, don't slander a slave. What's one got to do the other? Even a nation that sins against Hashem. Out till Eved el Adonok, do not slander the slave to his master. Min where do we see this from? from Um Again, that's what we just learned. One of the lessons of Oshaya. Hashem came to Hoshaya complaining that B'nai Shal were sinning. Either going against their parents. And what happened? Oshaya said, okay, so get a new nation. And then Hashem took it out on Oshaya and he was punished. So we learned that lesson. Be careful. Um, don't speak badly about someone to the mosaic. Um, the righteousness of the open cities amongst Israel. Or the right, Sadak Osakosh Boko Bishr, Hashem did Sidakh with Bene Israel, Shepazra and the Bainauman, he scattered them amongst all the nations. I we mean, don't find all the Jews in one place. That's a great chesser of Hashem. Why? This is what Revoshaya, this is what a certain heretic said to Rebbe Hanina. We're better than you. It's written by Yukesheishes Chadoshim Yosha, Shom. The, the story there is that basically Yosha, Yosha, stayed for six months by, by Edom and he killed off all the males. Says, You've lived amongst us, the non Jews, for many hundreds of years and we haven't done anything to you. You were amongst Edom for six months in the time of Yav and you killed off all the males, you showed no mercy. Look how nice we are. So he says, Omar, <laughs> I guess he laughed and he responded. He says, You know what? One of my students will respond to you if you're okay with that. And Niftah Lei Rebeshai responded with the following answer. He says, The only reason you haven't harmed the Jews is because you don't know what to do. To kill us, um, to kill all the Jews, well, not all the Jews on your hand. Granted, you can harm the Jews in your country, but what about the Jews in the next country? And what about the Jews in the next country? You can't harm all the Jews. And he says, And even the ones that are by you, you hesitate to kill because you don't want to be called genocidal. So, So, he says, Oh, by the God of the walls of, Ro- by the walls of Rome. Oh, by my God. Um, yep, we just, we debate this problem consistently. Ah, yeah. We are looking to destroy the Jews. We just can't find an effective way to do it without, I guess, ruining our own reputation. And just interestingly, just to go back to the story of Yoav, because this is, this coming week is Parshat Zachar. And it's uh Um, and, and that's what, what Yav, what Yav was doing there, Yav, when it says his war against Edom, he was actually in war against Amalek. Amalek are descendants of Edom, Esav. And he was there for six months and he made sure to kill all the males of Amalek, to fulfill the mitzvah of destroying Amalek. He got back to David and David said, why did you kill only the, men and not the, only the males and not the females? Why did you kill only the men and not the women? We know with Amalek, you have to kill everyone, men, women, and children. So he said to him, what do you mean? When I was in school and I was learning Chumash, my teacher t- taught me, um, what's it? Timche Zohar, Amalek. Wipe out the males of Amalek. And David Amalek told him, well, you were taught wrong. It's Timche Zecher, Amalek. Wipe out the memory. Not Zohar, the males, but Zacher, the memory of Amalek. And Joab was so furious. He had the opportunity to destroy Amalek and he didn't. And he was so furious. He wanted to go kill his teacher for teaching him wrong. Because he said, when I was in school and I learned, he should have made sure to correct me, make sure, make, made sure to teach me um, that it's a zacher, the, mem- the, rem- the memory, and not zacher, just the males. Um, okay, i was hoping to get a little bit further, but let's leave it here for today.